Hey everyone, this is Peter Levin, and you're listening to another episode of In Good Hands, a show about the companies and founders solving our climate crisis. Today, I interview Jurian Swartz and Alex Abrams, co-founders of Stojo. Stojo is the inventor of the world's first collapsible cup. And the thinking behind this product is simple. If products could be much more adaptive to your lifestyle, right, shrinking down into a little disc that you can store in your bag, put into your pocket when you're not using it, would it increase the likelihood of people using reusables and reduce the likelihood of people consuming single-use goods? And in the episode, Jury and Alex and I will discuss what exactly the eureka moment was. Taking Stojo from idea to prototype to official product one, their thoughts about reusable use cases and where they see Stojo interacting with other use cases beyond the cup. And finally, what the moonshot opportunity is for a company like Stojo. So without further ado, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Jurian Swartz and Alex Abrams, co-founders of Stojo. Jurian and Alex, welcome back to the show. Hey, Peter. (laughs) Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Peter. All right, y'all. Let's start with the easiest question of them all. What is Stojo? Stojo is a reusable container company that has a mission to end disposable culture. And we want to do that by creating and designing super cool, premium, reusable, collapsible containers, whether they're for coffee, hydration, or food storage. And the idea is that by making sustainable living easier, more people are going to adopt sustainable practices, which will have the biggest impact on our planet. And that's what we're all about. What I'd love to do before getting into the product suite, how it works, what's in store, if we rewind to pre-Stojo, because for anyone not familiar, if you just look on Instagram, uh, you've definitely seen this product before. It's a bit of magic. It's this collapsible, wonderful product that integrates with your lifestyle, but it's an engineering feat. So if we rewind to the pre-Stojo days, What were y'all up to? And then what was that culmination of events or eureka moment that led to the starting of Stojo? Yeah, I'll kick it off, Peter, and then let Alex interject in his moment of brilliance. Rewind back to 2011. Alex and I were both working at Credit Suisse Private Equity, and we were into doing this daily run where we would get some exercise, have lunch, and discuss books and things we're reading and seeing. And one of the things we're really interested in is entrepreneurship. And we'd actually both read Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek, and decided we wanted to come up with a product for that. And we were racking our brains. So one day, Alex comes in. Alex, cue you. (laughs) I came in with what ended up being the idea. And really, the, the reason we started... Stojo, it all comes back to a need that I had for a coffee cup that was reusable that fit into your bag or pocket after you were done with it. I just hated carrying a bulky travel mug after I finished my coffee in the morning when I would go into work. And 
I thought it was a genius idea. Uh, Jurian had different thoughts initially, but it really was the key to getting Stojo started. And I turned it back over to Jurian once I came up with the idea. Yeah, at the time, I was hoping we could come up with something like Tesla or Hyperloop or something like that. So when Alex comes in with the collapsible coffee cup, I was underwhelmed the first moment I heard it. So that was my first impression. Fast forward, I think about two weeks and I'm getting ready for work. I'm in the shower where I have a lot of my really good kind of creative breakthroughs. And it suddenly dawned on me that using the Sea to Summit X mug as a kind of basis for that. So if, if any of you go to REI and camp a lot, there's a collapsible cup by Sea to Summit that has been around for probably 10, 15 years now. The thought was, if we could add a lid to that using the way that a baby bottle seals the nipple to the bottle, which was with a collar, we could basically create the Stojo cup. That was the idea that I had. And when I thought through the mechanics of how I could seal it and make a leak-proof seal on the lid, that's when I got really interested. And so I mocked up literally on PowerPoint at work, a side view 2D model. And with that, we started to look for somebody who could help us design it. Back to you, Alex. Wow. The only challenge was that Jurian, I, I came up with the idea, Jurian came up with how it would actually work. And that was the as far as we could go with the idea without bringing in some help. And we looked into sort of finding a product designer. Remember, this is about eight years ago, predates a lot of what's gone on in the product development world, all the tools that folks have now to make developing products much easier through technology. This was still in the very early days of that type of movement. And all we were able to find was, was someone to help us and wanted to charge us $20,000 to just design the product, which when we asked our significant others if that was cool, they said, you're crazy, go back to your finance jobs and you <laughs> too can just keep chatting about this at your leisure. But we you know, serendipitously, uh, I ran into an old college fraternity brother of mine, trick-or-treating with our kids, Halloween night, right after Jury and I had come up with this idea. Ben Mellinger, who's our third co-founder, was doing independent product design at the same time, working on a, a water bottle idea. And when I chatted with him about what he was doing and mentioned this coffee cup concept that Jury and I had been working on, he got very excited and came on board to help us with the CAD design and, and all the technical work that would be needed to move the project along. It's so interesting. When we first chatted last week, there was, in my opinion, a pretty remarkable part of both of your story and how this culmination of events leads to the... I guess the first official kickoff of the company, and it's the Kickstarter, where there's this really long period of time where you're mulling over, you're developing in the background, you're operating this side hustle of sorts. And then years later, right, two, three years later, you finally get to the launch of the Kickstarter. And so if we double click into what those years looked like, how... How was your thinking across the whole entire process, two to three years of staying committed to this idea in the back of your head and then finally pulling the trigger on, you know what, 
We're going to launch a Kickstarter and we're going to see if the world actually wants what we've been sifting on for two or three years. Yeah, that's a really interesting question for me. And I think it'll apply to Alex as well. You look at two guys who are in finance and Alex was a, was a lawyer by training. So you've got two individuals who work pretty hard in school just because it's in our DNA. And then we went into New York City finance. And anybody who knows that path, it's a long path. It's a sure path, but it's a long path. It takes a lot of hours, a lot of discipline, a lot of dedication. You can say what you want about the finance world, but definitely some really talented, hardworking people. And I think discipline is really what comes to mind. People who found companies and get them over the line, I think just show up every day. And they stay singularly focused on what it was that they set out to do. And I think Stojo is a story about that. First for us as founders and, and now with our team. So that's what I would say. We just kept cranking away one day at a time. Wow. And so we harped on this a little bit, but you click go, launch, whatever, submit, whatever that button call to action is on the Kickstarter. And then what happens? Do you remember that day, Alex? Oh, yeah. We launched around noon, I think. And Ben did it because Ben was, he was working on his own. He was freelancing. And so he was running the Kickstarter. We were still at work. And we started watching the website. And I think that by the end of the day, midnight, we, we surpassed $10,000. And that was our goal. And we were just blown away because we never, ever expected that to happen. And it was exhilarating. And then by the time the, the campaign was done, we'd raised, I think it was $128,000. We had 3,600 backers and needed to come up with about 10,000 cups. So now we actually had to figure out, okay, they liked the video, the prototype <laughs> worked, but how do you actually go make this thing? That is right. Favorite? That is right. Yeah, that, that I think was the hardest thing. The excitement of the Kickstarter and the demand that we saw from the backers was super exciting. And when you realize you have a potential hit, you work so hard on something and you toil away in the dark and then you bring it out, show it to everybody and everyone's so excited for it. It was so exhilarating to have the, the campaign take off in, in the viral fashion that it did. But as the campaign went on, I think it was a 30-day campaign, Jerry and Ben and I realized we were going, like Jurian said, going to have to make this thing. <laughs> and that is not as easy as one would think it should be, even for two guys in finance in, in New York City. And so it was, it, was, it was exciting, but also a little bit overwhelming at the uh, amount we had to get done. Yeah. Coincidentally, my son Magnus was born in June, right around when we launched the Kickstarter. And he's a real reason for why I decided to leave finance and do this full time. And what, what I would just say is we just described what it feels like to get ready for and have a baby. It's a lot of anticipation, a lot of excitement. And then when the baby's there, it's on. You had no idea what it was going to be like, how hard it was going to be. And I'm talking as a dad, it's probably 10 times harder for the mom, but I never had any clue what it would be like to have one kid and then what it was like to have two kids later. And so Stojo feels a lot like having another kid. Wow. I love that comp. So I, I have two questions, but before we segue off of 
the success of the Kickstarter. When the Kickstarter ends, you suppress your goal by many percentage points. At that point in time, do you say to yourself, I'm going all in? Was there a series of conversations? Like, yeah, what, at what point did you say, buy Finance World, hello, Stojo? For me, it, it came around, I would say, so we launched in, in, in June of 2014. I think it was about, gosh, I'm trying to think, probably May or April of 2015 when I decided I was going to go for it. It, it took a little while. I needed to see the product in hand. Hmm. And there was some structural stuff going on at the firm I was at that gave me an opportunity to bow out and, and have a couple months of leeway, six nice. to be exact. And that, that gave me enough of a, I thought six months, I can get a sense in six months whether or not I will be able to start building a brand. And that's what did it for me. We talk about structural, less about the organization, less about the nuances in the background. Let's talk about the structure of the product. So again, for anyone that is not familiar with the Stojo, if you are, I think that the single most important thing that you can appreciate is the engineering excellence. It can achieve so much, but there's very little to the Stojo, literally, right? It's three parts yeah. in total. During the Kickstarter or after the Kickstarter, and you say, hey, we have to source production materials, how much does your supply partner inform the final product or was it the opposite? You had already landed on how the product would work and it was just a matter of finding someone to enable it. How did that work? When you take a design and you go into physical manufacturing, and I'm purely speaking from my wheelhouse um, of expertise. Now I can say I'm an expert. I've been doing it for eight years. Injection molding in, in silicone or thermal plastics. So when you make that step, it's very similar to if you know anything about metalworking mm -hmm. or some, somebody who takes something, has an idea, but then you actually have to physically make it happen. So there are probably literally hundreds of iterations of fine-tuning to the 10,000th of an inch to make micro-adjustments that make all the difference in whether or not something leaks, whether the form factor looks appealing to the eye, whether it actually collapses, whether it feels too hot in your hand. There, there are so many little things that one has to tweak from the time you go from conception to getting the right product in your hand, the hand feel, the user experience. And the difference between great products and, and good products is good products will do what they said they're gonna do and they won't annoy you too much. And great products will actually bring you pleasure when you use them and you almost view that object as a friend or somebody you would never leave behind in a moment when you're under duress, like your iPhone, your wallet, your keys. And so what we try to do is create products that obviously we're not going to be the iPhone for somebody, but if you're going somewhere and you need containers, we want to be those objects of desire. Oh, I love that. 
And, and, and just to add to what Jurian said, you had asked Peter a bit about the years in between we came up with the idea and launching the Kickstarter. This product, the Stojo product, is very unique in a sense that we were designing something from scratch. There was no such thing as a collapsible cup that looked like a cup that didn't just look like a effectively a, a collapsible bowl. There was some engineering work that needed to go into how to actually make this thing collapse. Jurian's sort of engineering work on how to put the whole thing to fit together because we were very focused on this product being durable. A lot of silicone products that were made previous to Stojo were not quite durable. They would tear, they'd fall apart relatively quickly. If we were creating a company that stood for sustainability, the idea was that you'd buy a Stojo cup that would last you know, as long as humanly possible. So we were very focused on making something that was durable, which is why all of our products come fully apart. They can go in the dishwasher, they can be reassembled, because what that does is when you put plastic and silicone together, if you try to bond it so it doesn't come apart, that puts a lot of pressure on the silicone. And that's where a lot of the silicone products were having issues with durability. Because our products come apart, they last longer. That's yeah. really hard to do. Alex, and I'll also jump in quickly, uh, very related. I, our products kind of work like Legos for adults. So all the parts fit together really well. And, and they're like puzzles. You can take them all apart. So from a sustainability standpoint, when you have waste streams or recycling streams, you can't cross-contaminate with one material into another stream. Otherwise, it, they just throw out the whole product. So we were very conscious that we make our products out of number five polypropylene recyclable plastic. And the other part is the silicone. And we use the, the most premium silicone on the market you can get for food-grade silicone, LFGB, platinum cured. It's, it adheres to German, European ratings. But the important thing to stress is there's no glues or adhesives. There's no nooks and crannies. You can completely clean, sterilize, wash, and even swap out parts so that if one thing gets lost or broken, you can go to our website, you can get a replacement part. And we hate that concept of designed obsolescence. It's really, I think, part of our kind of our problem as a society is that, and, and I understand the tension because you're a company and you're trying to make a profit and you want revenue. But we're trying to meet that happy medium where a person, you know what, these guys really thought through all the details. And so when you move from one product to another, there's actually a lot of the, the stuff in our development is interchangeable. And so I love that concept. I think that's really fundamental to smart circular design, which is all about the Stojo story. Oh, that last point really hits home. We had Tom Zaki on the show. He's one of our early guests. And he's awesome. One of the biggest takeaways from that conversation is a line he said, which is just, Waste is a design problem. And so the way you just articulated it, um, in many ways, is the same message. But what y'all have done in Stojo, I don't think I've, I see it in any other consumer product today. There's a number of companies that have launched, even in the last few years, on the shoulders of sustainability. They're designed to be forever bottles or forever X. And they'll even plant a tree when you make a purchase. Yep. But really to be authentic in executing against that messaging is, would be exactly what you're doing now. 
there are very few things that are actually forever. So if there is a part of the product that ju- that fails in any way, you should be able to replace it instead of buying something entirely new. Yeah, I, I agree with that. One thing I don't want to poo-poo other brands that are trying to do things that are within their means that are a nice nod to sustainable practices. I think it's awesome if you buy something and they go plant a tree because planting trees is a good thing. Mm-hmm. But what we want to do is bring the whole material sourcing, design, production, consumer use, and recapture together in a closed loop. That's the idea for Stojo. We realize that we're young and scrappy. We don't have a lot of capital, so we can't do everything at once. So we just started with the actual product. The product in and of itself helps you not use a lot of single-use plastic or single-use cups. So that's awesome. The packaging, we don't have any plastic on the packaging. It's all paper. It's post-consumer waste. We do vegetable-based inks, stuff like that. We try to minimize the packaging. So that's another design uh, consideration. What we also do is we design it so that if parts break down or get lost, you can replace them so you don't have to buy the whole new thing again. What we're going to be introducing later this year, and this is a huge nod to TerraCycle, uh, we're not partnering with them, but super inspired by what they do. And we're sourcing ocean-bound plastic. So this is plastic that's trash collected from waterways and coastlines in Southeast Asia and then gets recertified and and sorted into polypropylene that we can use in our products. We're actually going to have ocean trash going into our new products, which is really exciting. The ultimate kind of vision, and it's a part of our journey, is that there's going to be a recapture when you're done with it, end of life program. And I'd love to do that with somebody like TerraCycle, but I could also do it in a collaboration with a bunch of other cool sustainable brands and figure that out on our own. It's TBD. But the idea is you're a consumer, you care about the environment, we're done with the product, where can I put it other than in the municipal trash heap, and then ultimately it gets shipped God knows where. So the idea is, can you upcycle? What do you do end of life, either through partnerships or your own innovation with your suppliers? That I think is really dope. And that's what we're about. So I I want to explore this last idea in a second, but quickly, because we glossed over it, if you had to paint a picture for what the Stojo cup looks like today, how a customer interacts with it, how would you explain it? What's the, the Stojo for dummies or for someone that can't actually see it at the moment? Yep. If you've seen a collapsible strainer, colander, dog bowl, product like that. That's generally the idea. It looks a little bit like an accordion from the side. Uh, That's the part that collapses. But in general, it looks just like a coffee cup. And when you interact with it, it's super easy and convenient. It has a screw on lid, has a heat sleeve. The heat sleeve, when you collapse the cup, folds up under the bottom of the cup. You don't even notice it's there. They come with straws. So if you're into drinking iced coffee, iced tea, smoothies, protein shakes, juices, that is a part of it. That also folds up into the cup. I'm trying to think I'm going to visual mode here. So I think it's a quite a pretty and iconic shape. There's nothing really out there like it. 
and we're very conscious about color plays. We've always viewed Stojo as a sustainable fashion accessory item. So if you think about in the past, what swell bottle was to water bottles for people who care about fashion and design, Stojo's like, that's what we set out to do. We want to be that really cool looking product that is a conversation piece and a conversation starter. So what I think is the most special thing about Stojo is that when you're using it, you go to your cafe, you pull it out of your purse and you expand it. Everybody in line and the barista are going to notice it. It makes a little popping sound that's pretty cool. And it starts conversations. People invariably ask you, what is that? Or they say, I've got one too. Isn't it awesome? The number of anecdotes where baristas saw it and gave away a free cup of coffee or knocked a dollar off because they thought it was so cool. We get them all the time. So I love Stojo as this conversation starter in a time when most people are looking down at their phones and they're not interacting and people are seeking true connection. It's a way for you to connect with somebody to go, I care about the planet. I'm a little bit different. I do my thing my own way. And I love that about the product. Oh, my quick reaction to that is I just found the soundbite we're going to use for our social because that nice. is that is the closest thing to poetry I've heard. That resonates a ton with me as I think about some of the more successful physical products of the last few years. It's a great example, but you look at something like Bird or all the scooter companies. You yeah. can say one about the business, but the beautiful thing about shareable scooters is that you may not know anything about the company. And then when you see someone having the time of their life riding this thing, it sells itself. And when you can do that and also check the box off on impact potential, come on. Agreed. Killer, so killer combo. Right, so I want to segue to an announcement y'all make in the last week, right? I was looking at, your LinkedIn, you made this awesome announcement about Nordstrom. There's something else cooking. So um, we have the Stojo Cup. And then you just released a major new product out of this suite. Tell us about that. Yeah, man. God, I feel like a proud parent. It's called Stojo Bowl. And going back to when Alex and I used to do our daily runs and lunch sessions. One of the places we, we went to all the time was Chopped. It was right across the street. And we'd get shaker salad five days a week during the summer because it's light, it's healthy, easy. But 15 minutes later, you now have this plastic bowl that's going right into the trash. And it bugs me the same way that getting seamless delivered to my house bugs me, the same way that Amazon deliveries bug me same way that my coffee habit bugged me. And that was a third challenge that we wanted to solve in the, in the Stojo journey. So the first was coffee cups. The second, water bottles. We have an incredible, gorgeous, carafe-looking collapsible water bottle that if you are looking for a lightweight alternative to bottled water and you don't want to carry around a big, bulky swell bottle or Yeti or Hydro Flask, you can get a Stojo bottle, super lightweight. It's perfect for you gym goers and, and yogis. The third product, which we just launched last week, 
is the Stojo Bowl. We sold out in six hours, so we're just eagerly anticipating the reshipment, which will come uh, sometime early, early January. You heard it here first. So get on that waiting list. But it's a inch and a half when collapsed. It's also got, we call it leak resistant because we don't want to say it's leak proof. I, I wouldn't want anybody putting a hot soup in there and then tossing it in their bag. That, that would not be good. But if you put your food, your salad in there, and then there's a bunch of residue after you're done using it, you just collapse the thing up, seal it up. And just like a Stojo cup, you got a leak proof container that is smaller than an iPad. And it's pretty neat. I'm really proud of it. We've taken everything we've learned in terms of product development and just really up-leveled. It's just beautiful. It's dishwasher safe, microwave safe. When you take off the support collar, you can actually bake with it in the oven. Uh, it goes into the freezer. So it's very versatile and it looks really cool. Definitely tell all your friends, get on that waiting list and be the first one to have the new Stojo Bowl. Wow. So this moment was imminent. We jammed on it for a second last week, but I, I, I want to reintroduce this notion that I had, I'd been exploring for a while. I live right upstairs from Just Salad, right on 49th Street. Big fan of what they guys. do. They have, yeah. you know, they do their reusable bowl. Yeah. And an idea that my business partner and I have been riffing on is this notion of the universal bowl, right? Why isn't there what Just Salad is doing, but a bowl that can be used across all of your favorite quick service and fast casual restaurants? Why isn't there some type of loyalty or rewards infrastructure built on top of physical? You carry around this product and it rewards you for being a damn good customer of the planet. And in part, also drives probably material foot traffic to all these local restaurants that are doing their best to chef up delicious things every day. So I'll pass the torch to, to you guys. What do you all think about this idea? How I'm sure you guys have thought about it in some capacity. I'll let you guys open the can of worms. Absolutely. So without commenting too much, the answer to your question, why doesn't it exist? Why isn't there something like this? There will be very soon. <laughs> We're definitely going to have a hand in this. And we think it's a great idea. Why not figure out a way to get rid of all these single-use food containers that are cluttering our waste streams in our cities? Human behavior is not going to change. Seamless, grab-and-go with your busy life is really important. So somebody should figure out how to create a vessel that's gorgeous, that's convenient, that's truly sustainable, that's being backed by a, a, a team of purists who really care about the planet, the mission, and future generations. And somebody should get on that. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, uh, all right. I have a mechanical question then for you guys. Go for it. Yeah. I, I've spent a lot of time thinking this through. So there's two approaches to the model. You have a model where you own the bull and you carry it with you across all these locations. Yep. Yeah. The other one, which is the deposit approach. Every restaurant supports the bull. They fill it up. When you're done with it, you bring it back to another partner location. Right. Which model are you guys more bullish on and why? 
short term, own your own, because the early adopters are going to be passionate and religious about it, but there's not enough of them necessarily to make something commercially viable. But the share and reuse, if you look at Uber, Netflix, you name it, that's the future. It always takes a little bit of time for somebody to go. If you think back, people would say, I would never get in a car that isn't my own, yada, yada. Well, you go rental cars, and then suddenly you have all these share sharing services. It takes a little time for people to catch up. So I think it's going to be a combination of, of many different models. And with all things business, what's going to matter is who does the best job of executing it, who gets capitalized better, who figures out the business model, who's great at building a brand, and who, who doesn't run out of cash. Mm-hmm. So my comment on that is I think that the hardest thing is not figuring out the tech. It's not figuring out the operations. It's actually creating really great products. And I think that's where Stojo really shines. I love it. My floating this idea in a small circle, the big <clears throat> apprehension that I've heard on the share and reuse naturally is safety, yep. right? Like the, the nice thing about Uber or an Airbnb is yes, you are sharing a space, but there's something about eating from a shared thing and then consuming it that has a psychological effect. There's like this hurdle that feels foreign to someone unless you're sharing a bowl with a family member or a close friend. So if I may, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I would love to to hear your thoughts. Have you ever been to an Ikea? Yeah. What did you eat off of? Interesting. Have you ever been to a cafe and taken your coffee or your tea for using there and did they give you a ceramic mug? Yes. <laughs> yep. So it already exists. I think it's incumbent upon the people who execute to make it really clear to the public that safety and sanitation is sacrosanct to the business model. And we know that when you hyperheat something over 190 degrees, you're killing all the pathogens. That's, that's why you heat your poultry to 165 and your pork to 180. So imagine a sustainable, highly efficient washing facility that's treated like a clean room at like medical type standards that uses all the latest tech, sustainable, ecologically friendly soaps, high heat, steam, you could throw in UV light treatment, et cetera. You could definitely do a great job in a state-of-the-art facility and, and make sure that you keep everything clean the way you would in a factory when you're making brand new containers and then seal those things up and make sure that nobody messes with them until they're ready to serve. And as long as that loop is reliable and you have faith in that, it's not that, it's not that hard. When someone... Ends up doing this. Yeah. I can't wait to talk to that someone about it because I am. It would, I'm very. It'd be an excited. interesting conversation. So. <laughs> but I um, think P- Peter, I think you really did. You hit it on the head when you said it's perception, 
because clearly people dine out at restaurants and use China all the time and it's shared. But the perception is when you do takeout, you're getting a clean, new, no, never been touched container. And how do you replace that? So I think in addition to the operations that Jurian mentioned, the most important thing will be the right messaging and, and helping people understand that sharing containers is something they're already doing. And that that will be the group that's successful in doing this will be sharing that message. Because once people realize that, hey, I already you know eat out at restaurants on China that's been washed, they're not going to have an issue uh, with the share and reuse program. But changing human behavior is hard, as we know. That resonates a ton. Yeah, I'm thinking interesting comp when it comes to reframing. And this is totally different, but I was reading this thread around some of the newer fintech entrants. And the thesis of the piece is that it's not that these new companies invented zero to one technology. They didn't have a technological breakthrough, but they reframed an age old frustration and then productize that reframing. A good example of this is earning is for all the people who don't want to wait two weeks to get their paycheck. And so they say, hey, we'll pay you today or tomorrow. And they say, hey, you know what? If you want your $100 today or your $50 today, just give us $5 and we'll same day it to you. We'll fund your account today. But what's actually happened there is you've just loaned someone or you've charged someone an obscene amount of money. That's actually a lot of money. And when you scale that same interaction or transaction over millions of customers, you have yourself a really meaningful business. It's like Venmo says, hey, why wait two to three days? Let's get it right now. And you just pay us one or 2%, whatever it is. And so there's no technological breakthrough there. They're still working on the same rails, ACH, blah, 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 but they reframed it. So you still feel like you're getting what you want and it's a deal. $5, nothing. So I'm very bullish on, on what you're saying around making sure people understand this is something that we do already. Yeah. Storytelling is really important when you're, trying to shift human behavior and inspire people. Mm -hmm. So you need to put yourself in other people's shoes, think about how you're adding value to their life and then frame it in those terms. And that's just, that's a marketer's job and it can be used for good and it can be used for stuff that's not super additive to the human condition as well. But that's what we, that's what we're trying to do is really just uplevel a whole experience of reusable food containers. They've been around for a long time. There's companies called Tupperware, Rubbermaid, right? OXO. But what they're not doing is meeting the next generation of consumers where they're living and adapting the products to the lifestyles that people are living. And so that creates a void and that's where Stojo fits in. Love that line. It's a perfect segue to the next question before we kick off on the bookends, which is as what I think I consider and a lot of people consider as this next generation Tupperware 2.0. Y'all must have thought a lot about other products that are in the roadmap. And so to the extent that 
you're able to share or give us a teaser into how you're thinking about the future of physical products you'll be releasing to the public. What's in store? What can people get excited about over the next 24, 36 months out of this dojo camp? Yeah. So I'll speak about 2021 because there's so much excitement there in terms of what we're about to do. And it's available on Republic, the crowd equity site where we're currently raising a round. So if anybody who's listening wants to go check out the Stoja story in more depth, go to republic.co. What we've revealed is our 2021 innovation roadmap. And in addition to introducing the bowl, we're going to flex more heavily into other forms of food storage. It will all have the same functionality. It will collapse and it will just help you with different use cases that one, one would imagine. And the idea here is we're going to help you marry condo your entire kitchen cabinet. So lids that don't match with bodies, etc., cetera, or, or things that don't stack, thing of the past. When you open up your Stojo filled cabinet, it's going to be a thing of beauty. If you're OCD, you're going to lose your mind. Uh, it's going to be so gorgeous. So there's that. We're really pumped to be introducing an entire line for children. So this is made for your kindergarten age kids and up. And so anything that can um, be used to send your child off to daycare or school with reasonable containers uh, for all their lunch and hydration needs. So just going to have an entire line dedicated to that. And then the thing that we spoke about briefly at the beginning was this concept of ocean plastic. So Stoja is going to be introducing uh, later this year a, a premium line of product that is an extension of what we've already got, food, beverage, hydration, coffee, but it's going to be made out of recycled plastic that came from the ocean, which just gets us one step further on, on our commitment to creating a, a true circular system for our consumers. If I could put in one product request. Absolutely. And if this is on the docket, hell yeah, let me know. Why hasn't the Yeti cooler been stogified yet? <laughs> like that thing is so bulky. You're trying to go on a beach day or you're going away. You already know that this thing's taking up a third of your trunk. Yeah. So Yeah. So for city dwellers who, who really place a premium on space saving, that's definitely something that is, is really interesting. To make that out of silicone would be pretty tough. I won't get into the boring details, but silicone doesn't do super well structurally when it gets really big. That big. Mm -hmm. But there's definitely something there. I can guarantee I will not crack that nut in the next 36 months. <laughs> so if anybody's listening and you think you can, go for it. But all kidding aside, outdoor use cases are, are definitely a, a huge consideration for Stojo and our, our product roadmap in the coming year or two. Love it. All right. I'm going to end this conversation with two fun questions. The first one, and I thought of this when you guys were, were first starting and I saw y'all passing the torch to each other pretty seamlessly. What is the one characteristic in each other that y'all have found has made the co-founder relationship so healthy or successful over going on eight plus years now? 
Alex, I'm going to throw that one to you, buddy. All right. You take first one. Um, <laughs> I will. So what's the most important thing? Well, look, we got together because we had, I think, a shared uh, love of discussing products, ideas, caring, social missions. We really connected there. But a lot of people connect. I think setting up a business together and taking something, you know, we've been working together and been friends for now eight years. You have to have the ability to uh, listen to each other's thoughts, recognize different people have different strengths, recognize your own weaknesses, and be willing to argue and discuss things in, in all its gritty detail. But at the end of the day, come back to each other and keep working. You're going to have disagreements. You're going to have different visions on what you want. You're starting something from scratch. And you have to be able to really leave it all on the table. Don't hold anything back. Holding things back makes it really difficult to work together truthfully. But at the same time, realize you're trying to grow something together. So when you do have disagreements, you're able to come back together and, and compromise. Love it. I think that's cool. And just wearing my CEO hat, I'll throw out there so completely resonates with me. Alex is a truly special individual. He's a great co-founder to have and a great friend. He's a great dad. What, what's important to me as I build out the culture of the team, and we didn't talk about my team, but my team is awesome. I've got about 12 people right now, just super talented, committed, just great people. But what we like to talk about and harp on as we navigate the inevitable ups and downs of that startup life is integrity, humility, compassion, empathy, transparency. And when you bring all those things into the mix, and then you also just happen to be focused on excellence and have a little bit of competitive spirit, it, it creates some magic between people. And I think that the, the two of us, Alex and I, we joke a lot, we're each other's work spouses in, of sorts. And it's not like we never disagree or, or bicker a little bit, but it's our vibe together is just, it's just some people get along well and other people don't, and we just happen to. And he knows just when to push me, when to say no, vice versa, and, and somehow it all works. But I think those characteristics are really fundamental to our success. I love that. The last question of every interview, if you've listened to any of our previous ones, is this notion of the idea graveyard. And y'all have blessed this episode with plenty of ideas, products in the queue, some things that you guys may or may not be working on. But to the extent that you do have a list of this sort, and I'll pass this to, to both of you or one of you, what is one idea that you would love to work on if you had the time to do, but it's just rotting away in your idea graveyard? Alex, can, do you have something that you can think of well, first? Yeah, you know, I think one thing, Peter, when I was researching you and what you're doing and what your significant other might be doing, had a funny coincidence story, actually. We, right. we as, uh, as two individuals, Jerry and I, who like to think of new ideas early on before Stojo was really an operating business, we always used to bounce ideas off each other, new business ideas, trying to see where things go. And one of our, one of the ideas in the idea graveyard was alcohol flavored ice pops. That was one of our big ideas. Yeah, that's right. That was a fun one. That, that provided at least two to four weeks of 
of kind of going down the rabbit hole. That's amazing. Because most of our ideas are probably like five to 15 minute rabbit holes. And then some of them actually get like a bunch of weeks of work. And yeah, the alcohol infused push pops was definitely something that got us pretty excited to the point where I was looking up how much 18 wheeler tankers of alcohol cost and where I could get co-packing done and how much a machine to fill those icy pops would cost. Wow. Yeah, that was wow. that, that's a great flash from the past, Alex. That was a good one. And if anybody executes on that's a good that's idea. A win. Alex, I don't know if you were teasing this journey and I, I'm a part owner in an alcoholic ice pop company called Punch Amazing. Pops. Amazing. Punch Pops? Punch Pops. Oh, I love um, that name, dude. That's two great. of my best friends. They run it full time. Boy, oh boy. Now that I understand what it takes when you're dealing with the three-tier system, talk about and the co-packing challenges for this type of product. But I will tell you the product, if you guys are looking to, to spice up the holidays or it's a good one. It's a good one. That's, that's, that's awesome. Great. The, that's great. The, the, the whole concept with non-breakable, perfectly poured, rationed out, think about the speed of somebody placing an order and getting it in a busy bar that it doesn't have to be frozen until you're trying to cool it down. Mm-hmm. That that's a good one, man. I, I definitely like it. Maybe at, at some point Stojo can make a, uh, a reusable container for that so that it's uh, completely sustainable. I'm locked in. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, man. Um, I love it. I love it. How about you, Jerry? Any ideas rotting in the idea graveyard? Oh, so many. I have a notepad that I in my Apple phone. So please, if you're listening, don't hack my phone. But it has all my back burner ideas. I <clears throat> the the one I would love to work on, but I'm I'm so far away from it in terms of where my my career's gone and my networks in the last ten years. I grew up on a vegetable farm and and actually ran my family's farm. It's an eighth generation farm in Vermont for a number of years and and couldn't get the business to work. But I'm a very technical guy, finance guy, engineering. I like to plan. I love spreadsheets and I love TurboTax. And I always thought that a farm management software system that would help you go from basically your garden to, we were running 300 acres of 50, 60 different kinds of vegetables, 30 employees. It was a big operation. But something that would basically just, you know, be an app that would integrate with the weather, integrate with all the, the seed and the fertilizer and the, just all the, the inputs that you need to run a farm and then tie you to supply chain and sales and consumers. The thought was some kind of like TurboTax like interview based farming system that would just tell you when to cover your crops, tell you when to plant, tell you when to harvest, tell you when to spray, tell you when to whatever it was you needed to do, just all take advantage of of big data that's out there and bring it all together into a powerful package that would remove all the the mistakes that people make when they're busy and working really hard like farmers. That that's an idea that's, you know, near and dear to my heart that would just take me into a whole other direction. But I don't know if I'm, I'm ever going to get around to that one. I mean, you look at uh, companies like Bowery or square roots, but they're designed for, either a indoor facilities or retrofitting those shipping containers. But right. you'd imagine you take 
the nucleus of the operation and repurpose it for the 300 acre farm. I'm sure there's probably a lot of technology you'd keep, but the idea of having something that's always thinking on your behalf, 24 seven, helping you make smart decisions, something like this should exist. Like, come on. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and even something that just would allow you to pace your field and tell you, okay, this is the direction you lay your rows out in. Here's your line, your row spacing. This is how many seeds per uh, linear foot that you plant of this particular vegetable to get the best yields, et cetera. That's all knowledge that people have been farming for a long time, probably have in their heads. Or if you're super techie, you could know it, but a lot of folks don't have access to that. So just having that in a resource that would take all the thinking out of it for you, uh, I think it would be really powerful for a lot of smaller farmers and help them live more I, I, like profitable kind of self-sustaining lives, which I think would be cool. I love that. Got my wheels turning. Yeah. Uh, right. we'll, we'll definitely have to do some collaborations in the future, man. So we'll figure that out. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. All right, y'all. I, I just want to roll the red carpet. Are there any final call to actions, hiring needs, announcements, anything that you want to leave with our listeners? The floor is both of yours. Three points. If you're going to Whole Foods Market, check us out. We launched nationally last month. You can get Stojo at your Whole Foods. Make great stocking stuffer, white elephant presents, Yankee Swap presents. You can get it for 20 bucks or less. And I promise that whoever gets them will be super excited to have a Stojo as a gift. Number two is that we are currently raising capital on Republic and you can invest in Stojo for as little as $150. And number three, just smile at a stranger today as you walk around and just make some eye contact, nod, just do some random act of kindness. The more of that we have out there, the better. The power to change the world is in all of our hands and it takes small incremental steps and just showing up every single day. I love that. Alex, how about you? I'm going to leave it at that. I don't think I could follow up on that one, but I think, I I do think what Jurian said about small incremental changes are are super important. Uh, A lot of us feel, you know, out of control right now with everything going on in the world and taking back that feeling of control is doing just that is adding value to the world. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already into adding value in the world, but the more people we get doing that, I think the better everyone's going to feel. I love it. I just want to say sincere congrats to both of you for willing this thing into existence for many years of success that you've experienced to date and many more years to come. I thank you both for being patient with me as we fixed these damn technical issues. But seriously, you guys are awesome. I can't wait for round three after uh, whatever this next big thing, whoever works out actually is announced to the world. So thank you guys. Thanks, Peter. Thanks thank for having you so much, much, Peter. Yeah. Hey there, you made it to the outro. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a longtime listener, thank you so much. We're actively casting for new guests on our show. So if you have a rock star founder or company in mind that's working on something cool, message me on Instagram at Peter A. Levin or email us hello at ingothands.us. Thank you so much again and 
Look forward to bringing you another new episode next Tuesday.